he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in a boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great wind storm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? Chapter 4 starts with Jesus in a small boat. He's teaching the crowds who've gathered on the shore in front of him. And he's teaching them three things about the kingdom of God. We've covered them over the last couple of weeks. The first thing is that God's kingdom shines. So what's in our heart actually must come out and a heart of faith, of peace, of confidence in God is going to shine for Jesus. The second thing is that the kingdom of God is miraculous. And Jesus speaks of the greatest miracle of all, the miracle of salvation, of new life, of people being brought from from darkness into light. And the third thing, the kingdom of God is growing rapidly, just like a mustard seed that may look so unimpressive to begin with, but it is growing. In fact, it's God who's in control. It's God who brings the growth. God is building his kingdom, and we have the pleasure, the joy of being part of that. But it's been an exhausting program for Jesus. He's just wrecked. He's, he's, he's absolutely shattered. In fact, the, the teaching and the preaching and all the healing is, it seems to it's just worn him down. In, in, in many ways, his family were right at the end of chapter 3 when they said, actually, you know, Jesus, this is such a punishing schedule. You've got to wise up here. So surely a quiet boat trip across the sea would just be the ticket. Get away from people for a while, a little bit of rest, a bit of relaxation, you know, sounds perfect. So that evening, they step into another boat, and Jesus is determined to go across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, to the eastern side. Now, his disciples, of course, they must still be thinking over everything that they have heard. They've heard all this teaching about the kingdom of God, about the fact that God is in control, that he is building his kingdom, that he is powerful to save, that he is the one who gives faith and enables the gospel to shine through their lives And they've been in such a privileged position. In fact, in verse 34, it tells us that Jesus has shared with them privately things that he has not spoken to anybody else about. 
In many ways, this was lesson one. Just finished lesson one. Now, now they're going to begin lesson number two. But lesson number two is much, much more practical. And what is just about to happen is the first of three miraculous events that the disciples are going to, have, going to have to go through to reveal to them something of who Jesus is and something of the power of Jesus. And they will begin to see that Jesus is powerful over the wind and the waves, over demonic possession, even over death. We'll come to the next two over the next two weeks. And Mark has brought these three stories together so that the readers, that's you and me, begin to see something of Jesus' power, of his authority. Perhaps even to ask the question, who is this man? Who are you, Jesus? So Jesus says to the disciples, let's get into the boat. Let's, let's see if you really understand about the kingdom of God. You say you believe. You say you understand what I've been talking about. But actually, let's see what's really in your hearts. So if lesson one is the kingdom of God, lesson number two is relying on Jesus. Now, in 1986, a hull was found of a first century boat in the mud on the banks of the Sea of Galilee. The boat was 8 metres length, 2.35 metres in width, 1.25 metres in depth, big enough to carry between 12 to 15 men. At one end of the boat, there was a stern where actually the guests would have sat on a cushion. Of course, in Jesus' case... He slept. Now, the Sea of Galilee was notorious for its vicious storms. They would sometimes appear from nowhere. In fact, if you were to go there today and park your car up on the side of the sea, you would see notices warning motorists to be careful about their cars because there was a chance that they could, that they could still be swept away because of severe winds and waves. So it was into this situation that we pick up the story of the disciples. They're in a small boat in the middle of the sea. The storm is just crazy. It is so ferocious. It's all around them. The water is breaking over the sides of the boat. And Jesus, he's sleeping. He's fast asleep. Now we, we get an insight here into, into the humanity of Jesus. He is 100% man exhausted, just tired out after his, his busy schedule, so tired, in fact, that he can sleep through this crazy storm. But this only makes what happens next even more dramatic. And the severity of this storm can be seen by the reaction of the disciples. Remember, these are fishermen. They, they, they deal with this sort of thing. They've done it before. This is nothing new for them. And yet they are absolutely terrified. And I wonder, is God asking the question of the disciples, is Jesus enough? In that moment, is Jesus 
enough. After all, Jesus is right there in the boat with them. They've just been listening to his teaching on the seashore. They've just spent the day with him. They've heard this great teaching about the kingdom of God, about the wonder of what God can do through them and through Jesus Christ. They've heard it all. But what about now? What about in the middle of this storm? What about in this situation? Is Jesus Christ enough in this moment, at this time? You see, you will never know if Jesus is enough just by sitting for a few hours in a church service. Don't get me wrong, it's important that we learn, it's important that we hear teaching, it's important that we spend time in God's Word, that we spend time in His presence, that we come and gather to get together and worship. That's what the Bible certainly encourages us to do. But actually it's how, that we, it's how we react out there in the storms of life, in the challenges of life, It's there that our faith is really tested. And Jesus says to us, let's go. And so often we step out and we step straight into a storm. You don't need me to tell you that there are storms all around us of various different intensities. But listen, the one who leads us into a storm is the one who will see us through the storm, who will take us through in safety. Notice how Jesus speaks to the disciples in verse 35. Storm or no storm, he promises to take them through to the other side to get them across. And I believe that Jesus would say the same words maybe to many of you this afternoon, that he will bring you through See, it's often through the storms of life that our faith is really proven. It's in those moments. Now, it's not wrong to ask questions. It's not wrong even to wonder why or, to, or to, to even to get tired. But in those moments when we persist, when we keep going, like the disciples, and we cry out to God and we, we cling on to Jesus Christ, it's those times that when our faith is, when our faith is really tested, when we see real growth. Now even these experienced fishermen, they, they'd reached the very end of their, their own strength. They, they were fearing for their lives at this moment. And God so often brings us to the end of our own ability, to the end of our own strength, to a point when we fully rely on Jesus. And, and that's a vulnerable place to be. Sometimes a scary place to be. But in those moments, we know where our faith truly lies. We know where our confidence comes from. In those moments, we find the peace that only God can bring. So the disciples, they woke Jesus. And then they ask of him, perhaps the worst question in the history of this world. Teacher, Jesus, do you not care that we perish? 
Don't you care about us, Jesus? Don't you care that we are going to die out here? And listen, I I can understand what they're thinking. Perhaps you can. Jesus has been sleeping. He's he's been fast asleep. And, And has he been sleeping just because he doesn't care? It's possible, I suppose. Or has he been sleeping because he is everything under control and is at peace? Perhaps you need to make your mind up on that one for yourselves. But what I believe is that the maker of the heavens and the earth, the one who sustains everything, who pulls life together, the one who is in control of everything, who is Lord over all, the one who is fully man and fully God in his humanity, he was resting and sleeping in the knowledge that he was safe and secure in the hands of his heavenly father. And he does care. Of course he cares. In fact, Jesus came into this world because he cares for those who are in danger, for those who are lost because of sin. In fact, Jesus, as we read further on in the book of Mark, we'll discover that Jesus came into the world just to die for our sin, to die in our place. He cares. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Guys, he cares. He loves you. Of course he cares. So the question perhaps should not be, Jesus, do you not care? But perhaps disciples, why don't you understand? See, they'd learned the things about the kingdom of God, they'd spent time with Jesus, they'd heard about the miraculous power of God to save and to keep and to build his kingdom, but now now they're crying to God and saying, God, where are you in all of this? How could you allow this to happen to me? I just can't believe this is going on in my life in this storm. Where are you? And all the time, Jesus is in the boat with them. All the time they are in the presence of Jesus. You see, these are real people with real problems, with real concerns, in a, in a terrifying situation. They are scared of their lives. They're wondering, does God not care? And in this boat, in blind panic, they miss the obvious. Jesus is there. Now, it's very easy for us sitting in a nice dry room on a Sunday afternoon with the sun shining outside, no waves in sight, for us to think, well, actually, you know, how could they miss it? Surely they, they must have known there's nothing to worry about. After all, Jesus is in the boat with them. Surely everything's going to be fine. In fact, we know the end of the story. It's great. It's good. But how, how different are you, truly, in the storms of life and the challenges that you face, perhaps, perhaps you can feel the hurt and the pain and the fear and the panic of the situation. Perhaps you have even echoed those same words that Jesus said in that moment, sorry, that the disciples said in that moment, Jesus, don't you care? 
don't you care about my situation? How could you possibly let me go through this? After all, if you, if you cared for me, you wouldn't, this wouldn't happen in my life. And all the time, Jesus is in the storm with you. He's in the boat with you. He may not, he may not answer the way you think he ought to. He may not do the things that you think he's, he should. He may not behave the way that you would imagine he should behave. But he's there. And he cares. He loves you. He cares for you. And Jesus is enough. Not only do the disciples have to begin to understand that they need to rely completely on Jesus, but then they begin to see something of the power of Jesus at work here. Now, if they were terrified at the storm, they are even more terrified now when they see what Jesus does to the storm, when the storm stops, when things become quiet. And Jesus, Jesus has two rebukes. The first of them, he commands the wind and the waves to lie down and be still. This is the same sort of thing that a dog owner would do to their pet dog. Sit, be quiet. And obediently, the wind becomes a whisper. And the waves and the sea, just like a mill pond. This is a supernatural miracle. A minute ago, in fact, a second ago, this place is an absolute turmoil, and now it's, it's at peace. It's quiet. And the questions that the disciples have been asking, Jesus, don't you care for us, have now changed <laughs> to a question that dominates this first section of Mark. Jesus, who on earth are you? Who are you? They don't, they don't get it. Who, who are you, Jesus? Perhaps the backdrop to this, perhaps what's running through the disciples' mind in this moment as they're just standing there, just mesmerized, shocked, terrified by what they've just experienced, is some of the Psalms that they maybe have learnt as boys. Psalms like Psalm 30, sorry, Psalm 65. By awesome deeds you answered us with righteousness, O God of our salvation. The hope of all the ends of the earth and of the further seas, the one who by his strength established the mountains, being girded with might, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the turmoil of the people. Or Psalm 107 says, For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up the heavens. They went down to the depth. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They, re they reeled and staggered like drunken men. And were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still. And the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet. And he brought them 
to their desired haven. Sound familiar? It certainly would have to the disciples. And yet this is the Lord God Almighty, the one who calms the storm, the one who stops the, who stops the roaring of the waves. And yet this man standing in front of them has done exactly the same thing. And the disciples, they don't understand. They don't get it. This does not make sense to them. This man standing in front of them has acted with the power of God. How do you comprehend that? What conclusion do you come to in that moment? And the disciples don't, don't quite know how to respond. Later on, in John chapter 1, John, one of the disciples, writes these words in verse 14. He just expresses something of the praise and the wonder, declares how awesome Jesus is. He says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory the glory as of the Son, as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, who are you? Who are you? And Jesus gently rebukes the disciples. He rebukes them for their lack of faith because they just they don't understand. I, I, guess it's, I guess it's okay to miss the obvious in those moments of panic. I guess it's also okay to, to scream at Jesus for help, to, to ask him to do something. In fact, we must never stop calling out to Jesus. We, we, we need to rely on him. We need to keep turning to him and coming to him. But it's also okay to rest and to know the peace of God in the middle of the storm. And to know that Jesus' presence is there. Even when he's very quiet. And over the last 12 months, I've, for the times and the chances I've had to spend with my, my brother. Just with the, the tragedy of, of last year with the loss of his son. And just watch how he deals with that and how he, he walks through that. And just observing that actually sometimes in the storms of life, it is not so much the words of Jesus that sustain us, precious as they are. And if you know anything about us, we, we, we value God's word. We love God's word here at Freedom Church. But as so often, it is the close, the peaceful presence the awareness of Jesus and his Holy Spirit that sustains and holds. You see, in those moments when actually the words don't come and prayer seems tough and, and you, 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 you just can't focus even on God's word, in those moments, our strength comes through him. It's his power. It's his presence. It's his peace. In those moments, perhaps we realize that we truly rely on Jesus. 
And the conclusion to this story, I think, just invites a response from, from all of us. This is Christ, the Son of God. The one who cares. The one who loved us enough to come down from heaven to earth. The one who went to the cross in our place to take our sins. The one who offers us peace with God. The one who offers reconciliation. This is Christ. And he demands a response. Do you know him? Do you? One final thought as we we finish, just in conclusion, just one final question. Did Jesus really want to calm that storm that day? Was that his intention? Or did he want to take them through the storm for them to show faith in his power? to go through the difficulties, to get through to the other side in safety for their faith to grow. See, the reality is they had faith enough in Jesus to cry out to him, to demand that he would do something. They knew they needed his help. They they had no idea what he was going to do, but they knew they needed something from Jesus. Their faith was big enough for that, but... They didn't have the greater faith to ride out the storm, to trust in the power of God to keep them, to take them through in safety. And perhaps, perhaps it was because of their lack of faith that Jesus had to stop that storm. It certainly was his love for them they'd reached the point where they couldn't go any further. And Jesus knew that he had to step in. And listen, Jesus will never take us through something that we will never be able to bear. But perhaps it just brings us to that question that we started with. Is Jesus enough? In the storms of life, in the challenges that we face, in the difficulties that we go through, is Jesus Christ sufficient? Is he enough? Do you truly rely on him? Nothing else. Let's stand together. In many ways, guys, it's, a, it's a, been a fairly somber preach, perhaps just a reflective service in many ways. But the reality is actually this will touch many lives here because this is actually, you know, you, you can't live life without coming across some challenges and some difficulties along the way. And when you come to Christ, it does not exclude you from the problems of life. But listen, he is the one who will walk with you. He is the one who's in the boat with you. He is the one who stands with you. And sometimes he's quiet, and sometimes we don't get it, but he is there. And he loves you. He really loves you. And I just want to pray in a moment, but I just believe we need to get sometimes just the simple things right. There's nothing, nothing profound in what we've just said. 
but knowing that Christ is all that you need, knowing that he loves you with an unconditional love, knowing that he's there for you, that he's on your side, should change the way that you face the difficulties and face the problems and even face the good times as well. So I'm just going to pray as we finish. I want to encourage you as well, if, 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 if some of you want some prayer for something afterwards, do, please do come forward. It's great to stand with folks. Sometimes it's just useful to share stuff and we can just pray through it together. So the family of God does stand side by side.